With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to The Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC, on a Monday on which nothing is happening because it's a Monday after a weekend in which Liverpool didn't play and there was no movement on the transfer front. There was a game of football played somewhere and some gang of cheats won a trophy or something. I don't know. Anyway, we're not going to talk about them. What we're going to talk about now is Steven Gerrard, who surprisingly appears set to take up the role as manager of Etifag FC. Etifag FC in Saudi Arabia. Uh, this is somewhat of a surprising development. Gerard had been linked to the Leeds job and the Leicester job. But what this tells me is he's had no approaches because Stevie has two things that seem to drive him. One is his family. And when he was manager of Rangers and manager of Villa, his family stayed in Liverpool and he was able to travel up and down and spend a couple of days a week with them. This will rule that out. And I don't see him uprooting his family to move them to Saudi Arabia, given he has kids that are still in school. The other thing is that his goal, unlikely as it is, is to manage Liverpool. And this would rule that out. Because this is the type of move someone makes when they've sort of dropped off the elite category. If he was going to Saudi Arabia to manage one of the top, top clubs, it'd be one thing. But this is not one of the top clubs. Uh, Last season, they finished seventh. Their squad isn't exactly chock full of household names. Uh, Yusuf Niakata, Naeem Slithi. Berat Ozdemir, Robin Gosen, or Kosen, Quason, I don't know, the Swedish forward. You'd know him to see him. Um, they don't spend huge amounts of money. They spent about five and a half million US dollars last summer. They brought in a bunch of players on free transfers, and like I said, they finished seventh. The most known player at the club is probably Amin Yunus, who spent last season out on loan at Utrecht. I don't criticise Gerard for taking the job if he's taking it from a monetary point of view because get as much money as you can. But from a competitive point of view, given he's so early in his managerial career, I, I do find it strange. Like I say, my 
gut reaction is that he just doesn't have any offers in England because I think he would take any championship job over this because it would maybe get him back on the right path towards someday potentially becoming Liverpool manager and also allow him to have that, you know, that closeness with his family. But look, if this is what he wants to do, this is what he wants to do. I don't think he was ever going to be Liverpool manager anyway. I, I just don't think he's that level of, of managerial talent. I do think he could make an outstanding academy manager, as in running the overall academy, the Alex Engelthorpe job. I think that is something that Stevie would excel in. And if you've heard the sit-down roundtable he did with Trent and a couple of others, including Steve Sidwell, that's what really stood out to me is when he talked about the academy and his ideas for academy pathways and looking after younger players, it really did strike me that maybe that's what this guy should be doing. Maybe that's the role for him. Maybe we should be bringing him back into the club as assistant academy director with the view that he will succeed Inglethorpe. But if he wants to stay in management, this is what he's got to do. Um, Would it have been better if he took a job in Spain or France or Germany or Italy? Yeah, but then the language would be more of an issue. I don't think the language would be a huge issue in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I think there'll be a lot of allowances made. But it does just seem like a bit of a weird move. I I hope he does well. I wish him all the best. We'll we'll see how it goes. I have a feeling that uh, he might be one and done over there because I don't think he'll commit to staying there long term. Nuno Espirito Santo is already over there. Um, and obviously he's fallen off considerably from where people regarded him a few years ago. Georgios Donis is there. He's knocked around uh, quite a bit of time. He was a former Premier League player from Blackburn, if you remember him. He arrived and when asked why, made it very clear he was there for the money. Talked about the financial package and didn't mention anything else. Uh, left 12 months later, having not really made any sort of a mark, came back, played a little bit, a little bit with Sheffield United and then Huddersfield. Um, he was a good player in his time. He's been a journeyman manager, as most of the guys here have been. You know, you go through that list, that is a lot of journeyman managers. Another known player, Cosman Contra, former right-back. He was a good player. Played for Milan and Atletico Madrid. Was part of the Alaves team that we beat in 2001. Uh, had a loan spell with West Brom, knocked about for a long time, decent player, remaining international for a long time, and again, he's a, a journeyman manager. And that's the the type of competition Gerard will be going up against. So we'll see how he does. There's going to be pressure on him because he's Stephen Gerrard. He'll be the biggest name over there in terms of managers, unless Jose Mourinho decides to pack up and go. But I am surprised. I am very surprised that he's taken this job. But I wish him luck. I hope he does well. Uh, On the main Liverpool websites then today, the lead piece on This Is Anfield is about Fabinho. Can the new system revitalise Fabinho? I don't think it's so much the new system. It would be, can a summer break revitalise Fabinho? Um, It mentions an unexpected drop-off. I'm not sure it was unexpected. If we go back and look at the games at the end of the 21-22 season, 
he had already started to drop off significantly from where he'd been earlier in the season. He was exhausted. He'd been doing two players' work all year. And it just followed into this season. And I know he did improve when we went to the new system, but he also had some really poor games. You go back and you look at late in that Fulham game, look at the Southampton game. They ran through that midfield with great ease. Suleiman's second goal. If anyone can tell me what Fabinho was doing there, I'd love to know. But he had those struggles all season. You can go right back to early in the season. The Fulham game, he just looked so leggy. When we played West Ham at home, that was that was the moment I started to have real worries about Fab. Like, real worries. Declan Rice hadn't kicked the ball for 60 minutes. Hadn't been involved. Thiago had just run the midfield. Thiago went off and Rice just took over and dominated and was running past Fabinho as if he wasn't there. He had some really good games, City at home being prime example, but he had a lot of really, really bad games. And even games where we were the better team and in control, he just looked way off the level that was required. Uh, There's a piece about Thiago. What's next for Thiago? Liverpool's number six hits breaking point with injury record. I, I, I love Thiago. And I, I ideally would like him to stay forever, you know, just rolling contracts, play him as and when, have him around the club as a mentor to the young players, someone that can really, you know, set standards and show young players the right way to do things. His his talent is outrageous. But the injuries are a huge factor. And... If a good offer came in, like with Fabinho, if a good offer came in, I'd be fair, fairly happy to move them on, uh, especially if it meant we could go and bring in newer midfielders. Now, you can't bring in too many, but four is certainly a possibility. And if you move Thiago on, you'd, you see, the thing is, you move Thiago on, you have to replace him. You move Fabinho on, you have to replace him. That makes it five or six. Next summer... Tiago will be out of contract, so we're going to have to replace him then anyway. So the question is, are we better off getting a fee and replacing him now, even with bringing in all the others, or just moving him on, or just sorry, just keeping him and then moving him on next summer and, and having to go and pay for somebody else? It's the same question with Fab, but Fab has longer left in his deal. But at the same time, that looked like a, a kind of terminal decline from Fab last season. Um. Henry Jackson has a piece up, 30 goals, 16 assists, a poor season for Mo Salah. Salah is not appreciated enough, says Henry. And he's right, he's not appreciated enough. However, by performances, forget goals and assists, by performance standard, it was a poor season from Mo. Based on his own standards, and this is the problem with Mo and with Virgil, and with Ali, and with certain other players. The only person you can compare them to is themselves, because they've transcended all others. So Henry mentions in this piece that Mo scored 30 goals and had 16 assists. As a comparison, Jack Grealish had 5 goals and 11 assists. Marcus Rashford, same number of goals, only half the assists. But the problem is... For Jack Grealish, 
and Marcus Rashford and Bikayo Saka and Gabby Martinelli and all these other players, the biggest compliment you can you can give them is to compare them to Mo Salah. But you can't compare Salah to anybody else. You can only compare him to himself. And the fact is that performance-wise, he was well below the level that we've seen in previous years. Now, the fact that he's still able to produce at this level with 30 goals and 16 assists, that is something that gives promise. That tells us that when Mo slows down, when he starts to decline, he is still going to be elite from a production point of view. In the same way Cristiano was elite from a production point of view, when he slowed down, when his performance level dropped drastically in his last season and a half at Real, at Juve, and even in the first season at United, he still scored a load of goals, but he was clearly not the same player as he had been kind of 2017 and earlier. So it is only a positive for us. And Mo will go into the next season level with Gerard as the fifth all-time scorer in club history. So he will pass Stevie and he'll pass a couple more on that list as well. And I think it's it's fair to say that with Mo, with the way he looks after himself, there's no reason to doubt that he's going to maintain a very, very high level for the next four years, at least. The guy's a machine, never injured. Scores goals regularly, creates goals at a ludicrous rate for somebody who's often tagged as a selfish player. Uh, Henry has it in his article that Mo was seventh in the league when it came to big chances created, which is very, very impressive. So all things considered, yes, by his own standards, it was a poor season. In general terms, no, it's an excellent season. <laughs> That's a career year for Marcus Rashford. Bukayo Saka had the best season of his life, didn't get close to that. Martinelli had the best season of his life, didn't get close to that. Grealish had a great season by his standards. Well, a great back half of the season. He was poor the first half. But nothing close to Mo. Nothing close to it. Riyad Mahrez's best season is Mo's worst season. You go back and watch Riyad Mahrez's Player of the Year season. That wasn't as good as the season Mo just had. And this was Mo's worst season for us in terms of performance level. So, yeah, Mo is underappreciated, but not based on last season. Um, Liverpool have a real chance of signing a versatile defender, five already linked. Levi Colwell has been linked. He's the one that would excite you the most because given the age, the profile, the unbelievable talent, and the fact that he is ready-made as a fit in that back three, he's perfect, but Chelsea won't sell him to us. My guess is he goes to Brighton in a deal for Caicedo. Uh, Mickey Vandeven, I, I think he would be a great get. The right kind of size and profile and speed, power, needs to improve in the air. He's decent on the ball, so I think you'd be very happy with him. Mark Wehi is a good player, but he's a little bit short for what we like in centre-backs, and I just don't see that we'd make a move for him. Uh, Benjamin Pavard... There's definitely some interest been shown, but he just doesn't make any sense to me. He's basically Joe Gomez with a French name. Like, that's what he is. He's 
a right centre-back in a three, that's the ideal role for him. He can play centre-back. He can play right-back. He's not great at either. He's not bad at either, but he's not great at either. But he's he's a player that's living on past accomplishments. Even in, in this piece, if you want an idea of Pavard's quality, just have a watch of this strike for France in the 2018 World Cup. That's five years ago. It's five years ago. When people talk about Pavard, they talk about him. He's a World Cup winner. Yeah, five years ago. Oh, but he played this pass for Stuttgart five years ago. Tell me what he's done in the four years since joining Bayern. Because I know what Bayern have done, which is tried to replace him multiple times. And they're now happy for him to leave. They were playing Nicolas Sula, a centre-back who can't run at right-back over him. They brought in Masrawi to play over him, and if it wasn't for injuries, he would have. Benjamin Pavard has stagnated really badly for the last four years, and he's a worse player now than he was when Bayern bought him because he hasn't improved, but his ego has grown, his wage demands have grown, And frankly, his concentration and decision-making has fallen off. And he's no longer a specialist. When they bought him, he was a centre-back. He was quite a good centre-back for Stuttgart. And he was a right-back because he was quite a good right-back for France. But he's been moved around too much for Bayern and it just hasn't helped his development at all. So it would be a hard no on Benji Pavard. Why would we sign him when we have Joe Gomez? It's the same player, same issues. Same strengths. Gomez is quicker. Uh, Jurian Timber, again, same kind of profile as Joe Gomez. Ideal position, right side centre back in a three. Plays right back. He's very good at right back, to be fair to him. He's better at right back than Joe. Plays centre back, but he's too short to play centre back for us. He's 5'10. If Joe was leaving, Julian Timber would make a lot of sense, assuming we were also replacing Joe Matip but with a homegrown centre-back who was 6'4 and commanding in the air. So these kind of signings don't make a ton of sense. I I think the one that's most likely from that list is Van de Veen. I think the other one to keep an eye on is obviously Inacio of Sporting. Um, what else do we have here? Virgil van Dijk was honoured by his hometown. How Man United's takeover could play a key, could play a role in Liverpool's Turan pursuit. I don't think it will play any role, to be totally honest, because Jim Ratcliffe basically just ignores the fact that he owns Nice. Costa Simicus's intentions reported by Greek journalists. Uh, let's see. Costa, Costa Simicus have no one has no intention to leave Liverpool, and as we speak, Liverpool have no intention to sell him. That would be concerning if that's true, because why is he staying? Like, what is the purpose of that? He's not going to ever be first choice. When we sign a left-footed centre-back, he'll be third choice, and his natural position will no longer exist in the team. Um, Mo Salah sage advice for Trent. Championship club want Calvin Ramsey next season as door opens for fellow right-back. So that is Preston North End looking to bring in Calvin Ramsey for next season on loan. 
Um, it's just some nonsense about Vincent Company and Pep Guardiola that I can't be bothered with. We have a couple of media digests that we'll get into. Manchester United loses transfer hope in Liverpool boost as Jaden Sancho could make $63 million move. I don't know, I, I, I just... The, the attempts to get clickbait by mentioning other clubs does bother me a little bit. Uh, let's see. Media Digest. Liverpool plan becomes clearer. Um, if Alexis McAllister was Julian Ward's last hurrah, the rest of the transfer window will have Jörg Schmatke's fingerprints on them. The Echo reveals that Liverpool effectively has two transfer shortlists, one containing midfielders and the other containing central defenders. The Echo didn't reveal anything. They just printed what was common sense. Of course, there's different lists for different positions. There's probably 10 lists. But while the summer is earmarked for revitalizing the midfield, yada, 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 Klopp very intrigued by Juventus star. Uh, this is Federico Chiesa, who allegedly is available this summer. There's a price going around of £30 million. Pounds. I wouldn't. I would be stunned. I would be absolutely stunned if they were prepared to sell him for that price. Liverpool submits 65 million bid to land Jurgen Klopp target as another exit possible. And so that's Calvin Ramsey as the exit, and the bid is for Federico Valverde, which obviously, obviously is not true. Uh, on to AnfieldIndex.com where we have a couple of new pieces up. One from Harper about the rise in Liverpool's value. Um, there's a scouting report by David Davis on Chiesa. There's a piece about Ramsey. There's a piece about Virgil. And there's a piece about potentially Mo getting lured to Saudi Arabia at some point in the future. But I don't think it's anything we need to worry about in the in the present or the near future. Um there are two new scouted up. One, myself and Carl picked teams, basically two players from every decade from the 50s to now. And we had a look at some of the transfer stuff that's going on with Alexis, with Jude, with Lionel Messi. The other, we picked our own choices to take seven, eight and nine, given that Alexis is now taking 10. And we had a look at Chelsea and Spurs and what we think they need to do this summer. So that was recorded on June the 8th. Um, so if there's anything that's changed since, it's not our fault, it's guys. Don't tell them I said that, though. Uh, in terms of old school, then, myself and Gags got together at the weekend, and we did uh, about an hour and 20 minutes of a ramble. Went around and talked about midfielders and options and different things, and I had a couple of little rants about, I, I can't even remember what, Nabby was one. Um, and then there is what people have been waiting for, the Under Pressure Season Review. Dan Kennett, Daniel Rhodes, Phil Barter and Simon Brundish. So those are all there. Make sure you give them a listen. There'll be plenty more coming this week. I'm going to think of funny things to make Carl do. I think one of the ones I want to do is like hottest takes on each Premier League club. The more outlandish, the better. Just things you haven't put put much thought into but that you know might get a strong reaction. Like when I tell Carl that I think Unai Emery should be the next Liverpool manager. I don't actually think that, but I'm going to tell him I do. Um, yeah, so that's it. That's all I've got today. Um, I 
on Friday when I did that Argentinian thing, as I hit stop on the recorder, Maxi Rodriguez's name popped into my head and I realized that's the one I'd be missing. So I got Mascherano, who's obviously the easy one, missed the second easiest one and then got the more difficult ones, which is just typical. Right, that'll do. Talk to you all tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.